When did the image of success become so shallow and cookie cutter? It's carefree entrepreneurship, sprawling homes, and curated aesthetics, all wrapped up in a simplified social media post, rife with the latest buzzwords explaining how you're just one manifestation away from the life of your dreams. But building thriving businesses and positioning yourself as a leader in any industry has little to do with hitting these external validations and everything to do with cutting through the crap and getting to work. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, marketing strategist, and your host in this discussion. I've spent decades studying the mechanics of success so I could reverse engineer the process. Together, let's specifically define what success means to you and determine the steps to get you there. With real strategies, exclusive interviews, and game-changing ideas you can implement into your life and business. It's time to go beyond the facade, beyond the posturing, beyond the image to create real change personally and professionally. This is the Beyond the Image Podcast. My guest today is Leslie Logan. She's the owner of onlinepilatesclasses.com. Leslie, how are you doing today? I'm so good, James. How are you doing? I am doing delightful. I just finished a photo shoot. So always nice to start the day with some creativity. Oh, those are good days. I actually love a day where I am in the photo shoot because like, I feel like I remember like, oh, this is who I am and this is what I do. And thank goodness for photographers who can remind you <laughs> of these special moments. How often do you end up doing shoots? We probably average one a quarter. Mm -hmm. um, with like professional shoots. And then I'm filming about 14 things, um, 14 classes a month and about, um, 12 workout videos, like YouTube videos. So I think our editor does like 70 pieces of video content a month, not including what we create for Instagram, wow. which I do myself. <laughs> when did you start just, and these, I love these side tangents, but when did you start like deciding to hire out some of the video editing and and external post-production because that is such a time drain. It is a time drain. Y'all, you should do it sooner than we did for sure. Um, we, My husband was actually editing for a while. Mm. And then he's like, um, I actually have a thing I have to do of my own because he wasn't always working with me. <laughs> so then we hired uh, my sister-in-law to do it. <laughs> she wanted a few extra hours a week. Um, so I think we started hiring her out in probably two years in. So two years into the YouTube videos, we had amped up from doing two a week to three a week. And so he stepped out and she stepped in. And then when I started doing the online classes and filming those in 2018. So I I've been doing online workouts since before people started getting on 2020 and we had her editing those as well. And then it was in 2020 that we actually hired someone else specifically to be a video editor. And y'all there, when someone is talented at that, that's our actual job. They really do a great job. My sister-in-law did a great job, but he does an amazing job. And for fun, he pulls out all the bloopers, which are a ton. And then every once in a while, I get a video of like, here's all the mistakes you make all the time. <laughs> mm. I feel like that's both a compliment and a critique at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, it's interesting because I feel like as, as business owners, we go through these, these phases, phase one is we do everything ourselves. Mm-hmm. Phase two is we hire the people closest to us, which end up being close friends, family members, people people already in our ecosystem. And then phase three is when we begin to hire specialists. Yeah. Um, or every now and then you have one of those friends and family member who becomes a specialist, which is you know even better. But still, you end up transitioning them into phase three. What was it that had you start pushing your yourself, your brand, and your work into the online space? So back in, I want to say it was 2015, my husband was like, you need to be on YouTube. And I said, who am I to be on YouTube? And I, <laughs> I think, um, I think a lot of people can resonate with that, especially in my industry. There are so many people who there's like a lineage. So there's like super famous people who study with Joseph Pilates. And then there's people who study with them. And he's like, well, you're the person who studied with the person who studied with Joseph Pilates. So technically I'm a second generation teacher. And he's like, so you should be on you should be doing this because people are going to look these things up and I'm glad he forced me to do it. I'm going to be really honest. I definitely cried probably most shoots. I was like, this isn't good enough. I'm terrible. I'm, <laughs> I'm not good enough. Like a true creator. Um, and once I put the first videos out and no one said, you're awful, you're horrible. What are you doing here? I got really, I had a lot of fun with it. 
So I was in 2015. I started making money on YouTube about a year later, and it's been one of our sources of income. Um, it's not like I'm not viral. I'll be honest. I'll give you numbers. y'all. I have a little over 15,000 subscribers at the time of recording, and I do everything differently than what YouTube professionals say. They say long form content. My videos are two to five minutes, you know, so, and I, but that's what people love. And I get so many views consistently that I get a consistent paycheck every month. And that's what kind of really started it. And then people, YouTube has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. It's what helped me travel around the world to teach. And just for, for those who might not understand when you say uh, profit from YouTube, you're talking about advertising revenue. Yeah. So we, um, we have ads on all of our things. I like that's people are used to that on YouTube. And so we get paid for every single view. And that's, I mean, it's nice. I mean, here's the thing. It's not, I couldn't live off this money, but it definitely helps when I'm saying this to the IRS this is what my business is. And that's why these write-offs exist, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also a search engine tool, which is why my husband wanted me on it. It really helps with our SEO. And because of our YouTube channel, because of how we uh, create blogs from those exercise tutorials, it has allowed my website to become in organic in the, on the first page. Whenever you look up online Pilates classes, I'm not one of the biggest beasts out there. I'm not one of the oldest beasts out there. So I had to play the SEO game and without paying ads, I didn't, I had money for team, not for ads. So mm-hmm. that's, that was the, the goal there. And it helps that Google owns YouTube. Yeah. So, yeah. I know, like that I mean, a lot. It, it just makes sense. <laughs> that What was, I don't remember what was the creator space like on YouTube eight years or was it? Yeah. Eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Almost eight years ago. Yeah. You know, it was, I mean, if you look, it was a lot of raw. You didn't have to have good audio and lighting at the time. You could just, you could, my husband could just hold the camera. Like it was, it was like that. But also, um, I think back then I only had a couple, I only knew one other person on YouTube at the time in the Pilates space, there was others, but most of it was like, here's some workouts and a lot of like talk, like unboxing stuff, you know? So as a, it wasn't exactly what it is today, which a lot of people get free workouts. Mm-hmm. So I had, um, time on my side, but I had friends who started before me and you can tell a big difference in subscriber count of the people who started at the very beginning. And I started a little bit after that. I'm noticing just some indicators that not that YouTube ever went away because it never did, but I'm noticing there being a a new focus on new creators moving into, you know, whether it's, and I'll even say two to five minutes in, in today's world is long form content because yeah. when you're contrasting against TikTok or, or reels, which are, you know, 30 to 90 seconds, really 30 seconds, um, like anything over 30 seconds is going to, you're really asking for people to give you attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've, I'm kind of noticing like a new renaissance with YouTube. I don't know if you've seen anything similar. Oh, yeah. I mean, what has been cool about YouTube? And I, I really was like, when they put shorts up, I'm like, oh, is everyone just going to do what TikTok is doing? Mm-hmm. But I will say as a creator, it's allowed me to put more content up faster. So I still have my long, my, my long form, my five minute ones um, that my editor does, but I also put up a short one and I can direct traffic back to my longer form content. And so I saw once I started participating in shorts, which by the way, y'all, if you qualify, you can get paid for shorts as well. Once I started getting, doing that, I, my views skyrocketed so much faster and my subscriber count has been going up incrementally faster. And I'm a Pilates instructor. So this is not like, I'm not necessarily going to have millions of subscribers. I, I teach tutorials on exercises. I can't get more nerdy than that. So it's only going to appeal to the certain amount of people on the planet, but it works really well. And YouTube, unlike the other social platforms, doesn't really care what, like, the age group that's there is everybody. You've got your Gen Z's there and your baby boomers there and everyone in between. Whereas the other platforms, like the baby boomers are hanging on Facebook. You know, you've got your elder millennials just holding on to Instagram like it's gonna stay. <laughs> and then TikTok's taking everybody else. Yeah, I, I feel like there's room for something new right now. And I don't know what that what that is or what that looks like, but I feel like with what we've just seen, you know, Facebook just kind of aging yeah. and, and Instagram not having as much use 
and as much yeah. value uh, uh, outside of like just entertainment. You know, people still can get entertained with it, but used used to uh, the users, to the entrepreneurs, you know, the the content creators who have been trying to leverage with the platform. Um, you know, I, what I've just seen is so many people leveraging TikTok as as audience acquisition, driving mm -hmm. TikTok into Instagram, Instagram for uh, audience nurturing, you know, just yep. kind of warming that pot up and then driving them into whether it's uh, a lead magnet or sales funnel or even driving them from Instagram into YouTube to serve them even longer content, and, yeah. you know, you know, really kind of separate leads from prospects. Um, but I feel like we're just it now now is a time for an opening for something new to pop up and i'm so curious what what even that could be yeah i i think you're right i think even if you include the other platforms in here i think that with all of their changes there's an opening for something that people are wanting that's i also feel like there's some not nostalgia but there's something that's like simpler i think people mm -hmm. are wanting a simpler mm -hmm. <laughs> way of engaging with people as well so we'll see i'm going to I'm going to do something differently than I've ever done before. And like, whatever new thing comes out, I'm just going to get on it and try it out <laughs> from the beginning. I feel, yeah. I kind of feel like we've learned that we need to now just in case. Yeah. <laughs> just in case this takes off, like, let me be over here. And, and, um, you know, I, I have always, I've been in the past, like, well, let me just see how this goes. And like, even with Instagram, with my personal profile, I stopped even using it for three years when I was building up my other business um, one. And then I was like, well, darn, those were the three years I should have been on it because <laughs> I really missed out on that growth. But I also will say for anyone listening, I don't have really regrets because my business has grown the way I've wanted it to. And I found ways to figure that out. And, you know, if you're really clear on what you do and who it's for, you can you can find people. There's ways of doing it. You didn't like miss the ship completely unless you're mm -hmm. trying to teach people how to use Polaroid. Maybe that's been over, but like, you know, depending on what your, what your problem you're solving, I think you can, there's still a way to find those people if you're willing to do the work. Yeah. What was that one app that like got real popular in 2020? It was audio only. What was it? Oh, Clubhouse. Clubhouse. That's what I was. couldn't I like, get into that. I really tried. It was so <laughs> fucking boring. <laughs> I, like, I got in and I was like, what? So I'm just going to listen to people talk. Why? What I do why? that? I want to talk. <laughs> yeah. That's, and I, I was just like, and I was talking to someone, I think we had some of the guests on the show was like trying to talk about like a clubhouse marketing strategy. Like, well, you just got to be a member of a lot of these, these groups and just listen for a while. You got to be, you gotta listen. I'm like, I don't have time for that shit. Like that's, no. that's a lot of work. I'm, you know what? I'm a blowhard. I just give me a microphone. I, I just want to talk. Yeah. That didn't, that didn't last long. No. Once people went back to work, they didn't have time to sit around and listen to a thing where like I can be in a meeting. This is not that I do this with my team, but I can be in a meeting. I can like, you can flip on your social other media platforms and like scroll on through and no one knows we've got your sound down. So <laughs> Leslie doesn't do that though. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also this is, I think it also depends. Like I was the other day, we're at a hotel about to go work with our business coach. And so we watched my husband and I watched one of the news programs that we listened to on a podcast. And I was like, he is talking so slow. And one of the other reasons why I couldn't get into clubhouse is I have my podcast on one and a half and he has them on two. And I was like, let's just wait till tomorrow when it's up. Like whatever, <laughs> this is too slow. <laughs> so is, I mean, once you get used to that, it is painful. It's painful to, 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 to hear anything else. I hear my own voice on 2X. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't talk on 2X, but when I think about what I've said, I always think I say it much faster and with a higher cadence than, than I actually do. So if I ever listen to my own podcast, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I talk slow. <laughs> well, you know, I think my husband's always like, you should slow down. I'm like, let's just tell everyone on the pod that I'm a 1.5 already. You don't mm -hmm. have to, <laughs> you don't have to speed this one up. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, this wasn't what we wanted to talk about, but that's okay. Cause <laughs> it, it's, it's funny. Like the number of times, like that's, it's just, to me, that's a sign of a great conversation is I don't, you know, I hesitate even getting into the topic because I'm just enjoying wherever it's going, but we probably should pivot at some point. Um, here's the problem is anytime someone sets out to do something, they are going to have this contrast of one feeling they need to give away so much to, to enhance a perceived value 
of something. And two, despite that, they're still going to undervalue it. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 and it's, it is ubiquitous across industries. This is not specific to Pilates. This is in my industry as a photographer. Uh, once someone is new within a space, I, I think, you know, out of what a thousand people that, that I've worked with uh, through my conference or whatever it is, maybe one person I've ever been like, oh, your rates are probably too high. Like one. All right. So we have this issue with undervaluing our own time as well as undervaluing the results we provide. Um, yeah. And I'm curious, is this something you yourself struggled with uh, as you were launching your own classes? Yeah. So I love this so this topic so much because I think, well, we can't ever talk about it too little. I think more and more people just need to hear this because the more you hear it, the easier it is. So the, the, where I struggled was I was in retail in 2008. I've been in retail for many years. I thought that was going to be my world. I was in high, high in fashion accessories and purses, jewelry. I loved it so much. And I got into Pilates only because, um, I lived in LA and it's an expensive place to live. And Pilates was an expensive hobby. So I thought, well, I'll just teach it on the side and it'll pay for my, my love for it. And I got so busy teaching that I was in a, position where I had to like choose, how do I leave this salary job? Which by the way, if you listen to the year, we, the ticking time bomb that I would have a job anymore was, was, was already going, but it was a salary job with health insurance commissions, all these vacation time to a job where I was working for myself. And I was like, what time for money? Mm -hmm. So everyone had told me when I became a flies instructor, oh, she's been teaching a little longer than you. So you can charge a little less than her. This is how, this is the advice I was given. And I was like, mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, if I charge that much, how many hours do I have to teach a week to make what I'm making now? Mm -hmm. And I was like, that math doesn't add up. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> Cause I also was very aware that that includes no vacation time that doesn't allow for sick days. Like none of these things were in existence. And it really frustrated me that that that's how everyone was doing it. I asked my personal trainer friends are like, Oh yeah, you just charge. Like I looked around and said, everyone's charging for this. And I'm like, that market research is key, but we don't even know if those people are profitable. We don't know the last time they raised their rates. We don't know if they're like living off a trust fund. And this is just for fun. Like I, I have student loans. <laughs> I have, I have got to make, I have to make sure I'm used to a paycheck where I know how much money I'm going to make plus more. Right. So I went on this mission to try to figure out how does one set rates that can equal something they can guarantee they're going to get. And this is without memberships because I, and I thought I'm against them, but I'm a solo teacher. How can I do a membership if I need to have time off if I, if I get sick and how does, so how does that work? And what does that look like? And so I figured a formula that anyone can use and studio owners, it's a little different, but you can use, and this for any service of your time. So you take by the way, I have this calculator, um, James will put in the show notes. It's a free calculator you can use, but you take your gross income goal. So this is including your taxes. And that means wherever you live in the world, you have to figure out what your taxes probably are. So you take your gross income goal and you pick that number and includes all the taxes you might pay plus the money you want to make. And by the way, yes, that includes your bills. So if you have to rent space, it is in the expenses list. And so it might take you some time, might even, you might even get it wrong one year because you're unsure of what some of those bills might be if you haven't mm -hmm. got a studio yet or the space. You divide that by the amount of weeks in a year you want to work. And this is key. So if you live in a place where there's seasonality to your business, you might not even put 48 weeks, you might put 32 weeks, right? Because it just really depends on like for the wedding photographers might listen to you. There's some seasonality when weddings kind of happen as well. Maybe it's changed since now everyone has to get married as soon as anything's available, but how many weeks you want to work in a year? So that includes vacation time. If you want to have five days of sick time, like you want to think about that. So for me, weekends off. I'm going to take weekends, weekends off. I'll get to that in the next question. So you take your gross income, you divide it by amount of weeks in a year you'll, you'll work. Then you divide it by the number of days in a week you'll work. No one should be putting seven, just like no one's putting 52 in for the weeks. I would say like player, this is where that's a fun calculator. You can play around with it. So you could put five days in, you could put four days in, right? Then you're going to put the average number of hours you will provide your service. This is different than work. There's a lot of work that I do that is not paid for that. No one, I'm not actually teaching someone or coaching someone, but there are Let's say it's maybe four hours a day. You can do a shoot. You'll put that in 
The number you get is what's called your magic number. This is what you have to charge for any hour that you are working, like do providing your service. And all you have to count each week is to make sure you've committed the number, completed the number of hours you said you would. So if you said it was going to be 20 hours in a week, then what I would always do on Friday is I'd make sure that the next week had the amount of hours I said I would do. And as long as I took the time off that I said I was going to do, then I was being paid for my time off. I was being paid for my days off. I was being paid for sick days. And so what's really cool is now you just have to control that number that you said. And so you can play around if it's five days, maybe that's too much. Maybe you can only work four days, or maybe you can only work three hours each day. You get to have fun with that. And it allows you to say no sometimes because you'll be overworking. It also allows you to go, wow, I actually missed five hours last week. I got to make that up. And then you can go, okay, well, over the course of the next five weeks, I'm going to add one more hour. So you can be more in control and you can actually have consistent income because it's coming in all year. So if you know you're going to take a month off in December, the last 11 months paid for that. So you don't have to go, oh gosh, I'm not making any money. No, you made it already. Mm -hmm. So I, I did a similar exercise to this, only I also factored in my overhead hours. Mm. And what what I did, I did it in hindsight. Uh, so I like look back at a, a, a year prior um, and I just rough estimated, you know, I knew my gross income. Um, I knew how many weeks I worked. I knew roughly how many hours per day. And I, and I did the math, but I also factored in overhead hours just to get a sense of what I was earning per hour of work. Oh. And I'll be honest, Leslie, the, the number crushed me. And not in a great way. And it was it was at that moment I realized how significantly I was undervaluing a lot of my services. Yeah. As well as how much extra work I was doing that I probably should not be doing. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, like as you look at this, what advice would you give so that someone is not burning all their time on, on this, on, on, you know, cause you have billable hours, hours you're working, yeah. uh, but then you have hours you're doing marketing. You have hours you're, you know, like I just said, I've been cleaning my studio yeah. all morning. Um, <laughs> so, so how, how do you, how do you kind of balance this so that, that you do have, uh, some, 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 uh, equitable division of, of the, of, of the, uh, finances. Yeah. I mean, that's so first of all, that's a great revelation that you could put yourself through. And I think, I think we all have to understand that what is, what you can do when you have this kind of formula. And when you do that is you can play with it again throughout the year, you can change your rates anytime y'all. So first of all, if you are feeling like you're burning out that number that you came up with, that's also, if you, if you hire anyone to work for you to do jobs and there are less than that number, you are, it's costing your company money every time you do the job. So if I do my bookkeeping, it is costing the company. I think we've done our magic number now, and this is going to sound scary. My magic number is $600. Am I getting $600 when I teach? No, I have other products that help me equal, help me equal that out. But if I do bookkeeping and my bookkeeper is $10 an hour, it's like, Leslie, get out of the bookkeeping office because 100% you are better off doing something else. So mm -hmm. if you are burning out with all of your tasks, the first thing you're going to do is write everything that you have to do down in your personal life and your business. And if it doesn't require your face, or your voice, and it doesn't bring you joy, it is the first thing that gets delegated out, which means hired out in some way or deleted, right? So I hate grocery shopping. Those things are ordered. It comes delivered so much easier for us, right? So that's one thing I would do. And then the next thing is, you know, you mentioned in the earlier in our conversation, there's a phase one, there's a phase two, phase three. You are going to hit burnout every, every once in a while in your business because you're going to do things and it's going to work for a while until it doesn't anymore. And that's when you take a step back and you actually have to ask yourself, like, what's working? What's not working? Do I need to change some rates and values here? Do I need to rethink what kind of impact I make and, and, and adjust those numbers? And then the next thing is your schedule. And I am like, I live and die by my schedule. I love making my schedule and I have... I have a little system for you. So I want you to think of your schedule like a jar, like a mason jar. So everything that's going to go in your schedule has to fit in that mason jar. Can't, that's all the room we have, right? So what can go, so if you have the mason jar, then I want you to picture a pile of rocks, a pile of glitter, and a pile of gemstones. The order those things go in that jar makes a difference. So if you are someone who's putting the glitter in first, this is your cleaning of your studio. <laughs> this is 
admin. This is like checking emails. How many times we do that a day? This is anything that you can do in line for a cup of coffee or on the toilet. That's what I think glitter is like, anything that like we kind of use even to procrastinate from the things we have to do and we want to do, but like they overwhelm us. That's glitter. That has to go in last. And most people, that's the first thing that they do because it's safe and it's, it's always there. There's always going to be that. The first thing that has to go in is the rocks and the rocks are not just your service providing hours or hours you're available for work. The first rock is your sleep. Y'all, if you are not sleeping, I do not care how amazing you are. You won't be amazing after a while. So sleep, what time do you go to bed? What time do you wake up? Next rock that goes in is anything that is your mental health and wellness routines. So for me, it is my daily Pilates practice. It is my morning walks. It is my time in front of my red light. Like it's whatever I need. So those rocks, if you are a parent, anything that has to do with your kids that goes in after you, by the way, after you, if you have a relationship, that person's going to go in there after your specific appointments for yourself. And then the work rocks can go in. So the next thing that goes into this jar is the gemstones. And these gemstones are the things that propel your life and your business forward. So this is the marketing or the working on a new project. For example, we create a product. So we have a flashcard deck. This doesn't actually make me money today. And in all reality, I can do it whenever. Like no one is like saying, Leslie, the, the deadline is this. I make the deadlines up, but I know that propels my business forward. I have a deadline that I have it in my mind. So it goes under gemstone time. So gemstone time, I have about every day, about an hour to an hour and a half where I can work on different projects that move the needle forward in the business that really drive things forward. Or maybe it's a hobby that I think is going to make me a better person. That happens. And then whatever is left over is glitter because you don't have to schedule that in. It will just happen. It will get everywhere. You'll find ways to do it. And so if you can follow that with your schedule, one, you can change your schedule whenever you want. And two, it will it really will help you actually see growth in your business and in your life versus like uh, a year later, I'm still here, haven't done that thing I said I was going to do. Mm -hmm. You know, as you were kind of laying this out, I was uh, comparing this to the four pillars that I value in my life. And I chose these four pillars and the order of these four pillars intentionally because I used to have them upside down. Mm -hmm. My priorities in my 20s were number one, work. Number two, connections. Number three, uh potentially mindset. And then number four, physical health. I had it upside down. And at some point, you know, I'm, I don't know, 25 and I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm having trouble like focusing at work. And she's like, I go see a doctor and, you know, he runs the panels, but you know, he's talking to me for a few minutes. He's like, what the hell are you doing? You're working 12 hours a day. Uh, you have, I was working in marketing at the time, plus trying to grow my photography business. He's like, you're out every night. You're constantly going to these networking mixers. You're drinking all the time. You're not sleeping. You're not working out. You're not taking care of yourself. You haven't, you're not burning the candle at both ends. You just threw the whole candle in the fire. This is, this is not sustainable. <laughs> um, and I remember, you know, sometime around that, you know, I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll just start working out again. And I was going on a run here in Arizona. And I was uh, on this trail and I come up to this uh, peak in this trail and I see, I'm looking down into the valley and there's this giant saguaro cactus in, in the, uh, it, you know, it looks like it's right next to the pass. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I'll see this as I, as I run down. So I run down and I come across this cactus and now I can see the whole thing where I can only see like the top two thirds of it. The bottom third of it is rotted out to the skeleton. That right there was that kick in the crotch for me because it was like, all right, that's my life because I'm building everything on a weak foundation. Yes, yeah. I'm building a great business, won't live long enough to see it succeed. Yes, I'm doing all these great things. I'm too stressed out to ever enjoy them. Yes, I'm you know focused on this business, but I'll I'll be alone because no one will no one will want to invest any time in someone who won't invest time in them. And so I had to really shift that and prioritize my physical health, you know, which you talked about sleep. 
being part of your physical health. Yeah. I then had to focus on how I was nourishing my mind. You talked about mental health. I then looked at, okay, how can I honor the relationships in my life? You talked about like the family and, and connections at that point. And then the business. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting when I shifted that instead of working, you know, don't get me wrong. I have days where I have to work 12, 14 hours. Okay. But now it's every now and then it's not every day, seven yeah. days a week. I'm now more effective, more efficient. I do better work. I'm more successful. I make more money. Like all the things shifted because I did it in the opposite order that, that I thought would be you know, that yeah. my intuition would, would guide me to. So I loved how you, you put this out and it just lined up so beautifully with how I've been trying to operate over the last few years. Well, I'm glad you made that shift. And like, I know it can be really easy saying, Leslie, it might be, it must be easy for you. You have a husband on your team and you have these people. I, I too burnt out. <laughs> and when you have an anxiety attack and you're supposed to be able to buy whatever you want at Bloomingdale's and you can't even look at anything. So you're not enjoying anything. There has to be a better way. And we're all, for whatever reason, we think it has to be harder. And I, if I'm not working hard, then it's not working. And the truth is, is that you can, you can go at the pace you're going until you're sick and it's going to halt you and your business is going to be affected in a really bad way. Or you can actually start to make these shifts. And sure, I, my, my morning routines when I lived in LA before we were able to hire this team, it wasn't, I didn't have a three hour morning routine. I got had tight enough time for a run and a workout and a walk to my studio. That was it. And now, at, but that allowed me to make more money, take that money, invest it in things, and then remake the schedule. What, what do I need now? How, who do I need to be for the next step of this business? How does their day look like? And I keep playing this game and I changed my schedule every six months. I kind of reevaluate what's working and what's not working trips. Y'all, if you take time away from your life, notice what you miss and what you don't miss. And, <laughs> and that's a really good way to go back into your life and go, you know, I don't actually miss staying up until midnight watching TV. That doesn't matter. So you can actually use that as an opportunity to make some shifts, but you can, you can, you can, you can think that I, it's must, it's too nice for me, but just give it a try and see what happens with your life. A little bit goes a long way. A little extra sleep goes a long way. A little bit like I actually don't need to do this in my business. Someone else can will free you up and free that brain space up. And it has propelled our business forward. The more I take care of myself because I'm just kinder to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> including me. I, um, <clears throat> a couple months ago, my wife says, you know, I really want you to go get a sleep study. I was like, why? She's like, cause for some reason over the last year, you, you learned how to snore. Okay. <laughs> like I never snored before, but all of a sudden I just start snoring. And so I'm like, all right, so I'll go get a sleep study. Sure. We, we paid our deductible this year. Why not do, do everything. Um, and sure enough, they're like, well, you have sleep apnea. And I'm like, okay, now what? They're like, well, you got to wear this machine. <laughs> okay. Super loud. It's going to wake her up anyways. <laughs> no, no. It's actually super quiet. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, no, it's it's very quiet. Um, Here's the thing, though. I never realized how much I was losing on sleep, on, on mm. productive sleep, until I started using this machine. And all of a sudden now seven hours of sleep. I feel like I've slept for 24 hours. I wake up at four in the morning, ready to go. Wow. Whereas before I could sleep eight hours and be exhausted upon waking up. And I had no idea why. Well, it's because apparently I was, I kept preventing myself from getting into a deeper state of sleep. Yeah. Um, it matters. It, it, matters. It, it, it absolutely matters. Now, you know, I don't, and, and I'm glad you pointed something out. I'm glad you, you mentioned that, you know, your life a couple of years ago, you didn't have the the time capacities that you have now, you know, the boundaries you set had to look and feel different. Mm -hmm. And that's such an important point because I really don't like this kind of kind of bullshit, all or nothing posturing of, well, you know, I can do it so you can do it too. It's like, no, you know, people have some, some hard shit that they got to deal with in life and, you know, recognize that, but okay. What about these five minutes you have before you know, like I look at it, like, why do I get up at four in the morning? Because my son gets up at five 30. And once those little eyes ping open, I'm fucked. And that's just, <laughs> that's just the, the truth of it. So between four and five 30, that's me time. Yeah. And yeah, I could choose to sleep through it 
you know, if I'm being lazy, but then I don't get my me time. And that means I got to go to bed early. That means, you know, maybe I'm not going to like binge watch a show that I'm only half watching because I'm really on my phone. Um, (laughs) Right. When you're so so honest with ourselves, like, oh, am I not even really paying attention to this? I'm not paying attention to anything. So maybe I'll just enjoy a book and, you know, that knocks me out. So now I can go to sleep early. So now I can get up early. So now I can focus on me time. So now I'm ready by the time, you know, he starts destroying the house. (laughs) And I, I built that for myself. Okay. So it's like, what can you do within the parameters that you, that you can for something? I think that's, that's such a beautiful point that, that, that you were illustrating. Well, and you know, I, I share that because I would listen to people say these amazing things that worked for them. And I'm like, okay, I have student loans. I work for this company over here for health insurance. I've got my own business that I've started. My husband convinced me I should be on YouTube. So I've got (laughs) all these things I'm doing. How am I supposed to do that? And one thing that worked for me was like those five minutes doing the smallest version of the thing that you want to do that you can't, because that's how habits are made. So I studied BJ Fogg's tiny habits and habits are not made by all or nothing. That's not how it works. And y'all, you're not going to have a good day. If you're putting yourself at this level that if I don't do it all perfectly well, then it's not worthwhile. It's like, but no, you literally, they say, if you want to go run a marathon, put your running shoes on, make that the habit. If you actually go out the front door, it's extra credit. If you actually run around the block, woo, now you're slain, but really just get in the habit of putting your shoes on because we all need wins in our life. Our brain works off of dopamine and dopamine. That's what, so the Instagram founder study with BJ Fogg, it took you three steps to get your picture out and all of a sudden start getting reactions, which are dopamine. So literally the fewest amount of steps possible for your brain to feel good. Whenever your brain feels good, it wants to do that thing again. That's why you're going to sleep now. Cause your brain's like, I feel so good. And I, and you've celebrated in some way. Like there's some acknowledgement that lets your brain know, I really am glad about this. If you are being hard on yourself, if you're like, oh, that's another thing I didn't do well today. Oh, I missed that. I said I was going to wake up at four, but I didn't wake up till five. And that's just, uh, I'm not good enough at this. I can promise you, your brain is not going to look for opportunities to support you. But if you celebrate these little moments, the five minutes you gave yourself, your brain is going to look for another five minutes and another five minutes. All of a sudden, you're going to realize that there's a half an hour each day throughout the day that you can give to yourself, that you can pour in, that maybe you listen to something that makes you feel good. So, you know, it's, I, I I hope that that is gives some people some permission to like just do what is possible and know that it, it you'll have more later if you do a little bit now. I would I would add to that. I also really appreciate that you mentioned you revise, let's say twice a year. And the reason you revise is there is no perfection in this. This is not about finding this perfect thing because I feel like a lot of people hold back on even starting something because they're they're waiting to perfect a system. Yeah. Well, I have to perfect the system before I can launch the system. You know, I I and I'm guilty of this it, yeah. to, to some to some degrees. Like it, it's a control thing. Um, you know, like we were testing out a new project management software for for our business, and. I'm the guy who signed up for three free accounts and uploaded everything to all three platforms and <laughs> tested all three platforms for 14 days. Uh, to... Okay, that's so. My husband, when we were searching for project management tools, he signed up for all of them, but didn't uh-huh. actually upload all of our stuff. Just like play with different things, and then he's like, "Okay, this is the one." And I was like, "Okay, just start, just start assigning me stuff." <laughs> and here, here's the thing, though, your husband did it better because. <laughs> Ultimately, the one we chose did not have a lot of things that the other ones had that I wish it did. But then those other things did not have something that this one had that I wish it did. And ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter. Can you make it work? Oh, yes. That is the best. So what it comes down to. So y'all, we're all, we're asked a lot by people because we coach, you know, fitness instructors in our business. And they're like, what project manager tool should I use? And Brad goes, the one that you're going to use is the best one. Totally. <laughs> I was just on a coaching call right before this. And she was asking the best, um, uh, she wanted a CRM. I'm like, they're all the same. Like, I, I don't give a shit. Kajabi. Sure. Entreport. Sure. ClickFunnels. Fine. Wh- whatever it is. She's like, well, what about this other one? I'm like, yeah, that one too. 
She's like, well, which is the best one? I'm like, nope. <laughs> Gotta <laughs> use it. Nope. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, and I, so all I said was like, you have basically, I said, you have like two main levels. You have this, this top level for, for consumer delivery or content delivery. And that's what you're playing with right now. Then you have some white label ones. If you really want to test something out, test one white label and one of these top end ones, find what you like better and then be done with it and move on. Because here's the thing at some point, you know, two years down the road, you want to shift, just shift. Who gives a shit? Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm not lucky. I've worked hard to get to where I am, to where I have someone on my team who can spend the time to research. Cause we actually switched CRM tools, um, last year. And thankfully she had the patience and the diligence to do it so that hopefully we don't have to shift again for a while, but inevitably, if your business is growing at some point, you will outgrow every tool that you're using <laughs> and then there'll be a new thing. And so we have to stop waiting for things to be perfectly aligned till we do them. You actually have to, I find, and this maybe is because one of my strengths is activator. If you know, strength finders 2.0, number one for me is activator. I find I'd rather get the thing out, get the feedback, get the feeling. And like, did, did I like doing that? <laughs> How did that feel for me? And then make tweaks, change things and put it back out there because your business y'all is not as like fragile or precious as you think it is. And most things that get put out there, like the most ideas, when you get to the final stage of whatever it is that you're actually putting out there over and over again, look very little like what they did in the beginning. There might still be some of the, of the values there. There should be, cause it should be based on your business, but everything gets changed along the way based on the feedback that you're getting like, Oh, that's what they think that was. Let me change that. You know? So just put it out, get the, get the feedback. Like you have to stop making it so perfect because you will never get it done. And then you'll look at it. Someone and go, they're doing what I wanted to do. Like the amount of people who say, Oh, I had that idea too. I never did it. Like with my flashcards. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to say? You should have done it. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. A lot of people have a lot of ideas. And if you don't take action, someone else will do it. I, I think in my first book, I wrote on the back, your ideas are not worth anything. Mm. But it was something, maybe it wasn't that jackassery, but it was something <laughs> like with, or maybe it was like your ideas without action are not worth anything. And, but, but that's, I love that's that the point. It's like, you know, I, I had this idea, I don't know, 12 years ago, 15 years ago for, for a book on a very specific style of marketing within the industry that I was in. And I started writing the book and then I, you know, saved it to my computer drive. And then a few months later, I opened it up, started working on it again, close it again. A few months later, this cycle just continued for a couple of years until the book finally came out. But the problem was, was my name wasn't on it because mine was still in version 5.0 on my computer drive, uh, never finished. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I had waited for two years to launch this damn thing. Someone else wrote it, became a New York times bestseller and, you know, knocked it out of the park. Good for them. So now they're the subject matter expert as it relates to this style of marketing within this industry. Case closed. Yeah. And what, what am I supposed to say? You know, well, well, fortunately, with some say, well, you know, that was my idea. Well, yeah, but I, once again, the yeah. idea was not worth it. It was, it was the action upon the idea, and that's the thing. It's like I just dropped um, a book, and someone had come back to me. They're like, "Oh, you had a word wrong in this one chapter. Do you want to know what the word was?" I'm like, "No, doesn't matter. Can't change it. It's done." Like, yeah, like at this point, like it's done. Like, I don't care. Like, like, does it still make sense? Like, well, yeah. I'm like, all right. I, so I, I, I love that you said this. So I wrote a book for my industry and, um, I, I had, uh, someone who was an editor who was reading over it. I had someone else reread it to catch any more grammar. That's not my specialty. I finally put it out there. I get the book. I read it in the freaking first chapter. I see something. I'm like, how did we miss this? Like I read this book 10 times. Like mm -hmm. I was so much and I was so 
frustrated about that. So just so you know, perfect is boring is a new adoption. I'm a recovering perfectionist, but I was so mad about that, that I really, like, I was like waiting for someone, of course, I was waiting for someone to critique the grammar. And of course the first Amazon review is great book, great content. Like there's some grammar mistakes. And, uh, but I was looking for that. I was looking for that thing. And so I had to just let it go. Cause I'm like, first of all, no one in my industry has done what I just did. So like, let's just give ourselves a pat on the back. Let's move on. If anyone is looking for an English degree from this book, then they've come to the wrong place. This is for your, this is to help Pilates instructors rock their business. That's it. It was not help there to teach someone where a comma goes. Mm -hmm. So I had to get over myself and I was listening to this book that I love on audible and it's, you know, it's from a high publisher. It's a really well-known person. So I'm listening to it and there is a total air in the audiobook, and it, and I was like, is that my internet? And I went back, no, it's there and no one caught it. And she is as who she is with the people she had, everyone makes mistakes. And if, if the person's going to focus on that over the actual content of the book, so I laughed a little bit. I was like, that's amazing. Full permission to have another air in another book. Um, but if that's what person, someone's focusing on, they miss the whole point of what you're putting out there. That person's not for you. You're not actually like, if I asked you, Hey James, was that person, the person you wanted to buy this book? You were like, I didn't write it for that person. So I think mm -hmm. like we all get hung up on the, on we in the beginning of your career, it's easier to get hung up on like the haters and the critiques like that. But the more content you put out there and the more things you try, I think it gets easier to go, you know what? It's not, it's going to be as good as it gets. And the point of it is this, and that's what I want people to focus on. Maybe about 10 years ago, I was given this presentation on uh, website architecture and uh, what needs to be on a website, where it needs to be, how to how to guide a consumer through a, a proper web journey. And there was this guy sitting in the front row and his arms are crossed and he just has this fuck off look on his face. And I don't know this guy. All I know is he seems really pissed. And so this narrative starts going through my mind. Um, maybe he also works in marketing. Maybe he knows more than me. Maybe he disagrees with what I'm saying. Maybe he's going to dispute my hypothesis and my, my approach and my methodology. So the entire hour presentation, I am trying to get this guy to agree to something, to fucking nod, to be like, yeah, you know, like that's all I want from this guy. And at some <laughs> point I get him to give me a little, hmm, okay. <laughs> it was the biggest win for me, Leslie. I, I was a huge win. That presentation robbed the other 49 people in that room of what I was actually there to do. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge, huge mistake on my part. The guy was, he had nothing to do with me. He was pissed about something else. I found out from another presenter. He was kind of a jackass in every session. It had nothing to do with the, even the conference. But yet I made up this entire narrative that I needed to yeah. shift and, and revise and focus all this energy on him. It's the same reason why like, I get a one-star review on my podcast and I ignore the 300 yeah. five-star reviews. Yeah. That's, I think it's kind of hardwired, but you're right. Over time, we start to realize who is this work for? Yeah. It's for the 49 people in that room. It's for the people who are leaving the five-star reviews. It's for the people who have evangelized themselves Yeah, within, within your brand. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been there and I think we'll all end up there again at some point. We all have to remember like, who are we doing this for? Um, I remember years ago, I heard I think it was about the same time that the book came out with that critique. And, um, oh, and at the same time I had at some point, somebody would down like a video as soon as it went up. It was like, I had someone sitting on YouTube. I swear, like in my head, someone was sitting on YouTube on my channel, waiting for a video. It was like within a minute, every time I was like, who is this person who hates me all the time? So I'm listening to Brene Brown. And she mentions, she's on an interview and she's like, yeah, we have this bad review. And I was like, what's their IP address? Let's go find them. I need to know. Like, <laughs> and I was listening to her. I'm like, yes, is that possible? How do we find these people? You know, like, tell me. And she said, but if I looked at the people, the list of people whose opinions of me matter, I bet you that person's not it. There it is. And she said, you should have, and I have this, the top five people whose opinions of you matter. And like, 
in our businesses, some of those people are like a group, like our members, my members liking what we put out that matters. The non-members who are like, ah, that like I get a, we put a 10 minute teaser up of a video for a class and someone goes, oh, it should be longer. You're not a member. If you're a member, you'd get the whole thing. So like, yeah, it sucks. You're frustrated and that you didn't read the notes, but like your, your opinion of how that length of that video doesn't matter to me. Cause that's not on my list. And so when you can do that in those moments, you can look at your list and go, is this person on my list? They're not on my list. My list was the 49 people or the majority of the people who need this solution to this problem. And it's hard to do in a moment, but it's a muscle, everyone. And the more you practice this muscle, the easier it is to get over negative comments, negative things faster. And you can almost laugh at yourself so I can watch it. Like I can get a critique on something I can go through the cycle and I can go through it really fast <laughs> and I can go, okay, that's done. We are moving on to the next thing. Cause you're still a human. You're still going to feel your feelings. But the reason the negative stuff sticks, cause I've talked to like a neurologist. I'm like, why? And he's like, your brain is set up to remember negative things. It's literally set up. So your entire life is being spent trying to change the wiring of your brain, which is predisposed to look for negative things and remember those experiences. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating to see. I used to work as a journalist um, before I got into marketing. We had this person who every issue we put out <clears throat> would edit the entire paper, you know, cover to cover, and send it back uh, with without a return address. So we would just get a, a you know fully edited newspaper pointing out every mistake we ever made uh, grammatically in format. Like it was just like, oh my god, I want this person's time, right? <laughs> I, you know, it had to be some retired person who just, you know, they got the local community newspaper, which don't exist anymore. So, you know, right. that I guess, I guess, uh, I guess they won. Yeah. They, whoever, whoever that retired person is, they won. They put us on this <laughs> We're, we're no longer around. <laughs> Leslie, this was absolutely fucking delightful. You're one of these, like, I love that we did not stick on one central theme that, that we kind of bounced and covered just an absolute bevy of of topics and this I, I i am so appreciative that you took the time to to jump on this where can listeners go to connect with you and learn more about the work you're doing oh james thanks so much for this conversation it was so fun for me you all can find me on instagram at leslie logan so leslie.logan um if you're interested in pilates onlineplasticlasses.com. There's lots of good, there's a lot of free stuff there for you um, as well as the other goods and anything else. You'll find it on my Instagram platform. I have all the links, but um, I have a podcast as well called Be It Till You See It. So if you enjoyed any of this, you can come check it out. And what is the the URL for the calculator? Oh yeah. So um, that's at profitablepotties.com. Thanks for reminding me. That was a journey to go and it's under our free resources, but I'll, cause it's a longer link. So I'll get you a link as well for your show notes. But um, if you go into free resources, you'll find it. And it's, it's there with all the teachings. Plus if you are a owner of multiple, like a, an owner of a business has multiple people providing the services, you can play around with what it will tell you what your studio magic number is. Cause then you can really get creative mm -hmm. on how to make that um, scale for you. I love that. We're going to make sure all those links are in the show notes. Leslie, thank you again so much for being a part of this. James, thank you. We'll have to do it again sometime. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again.